You've heard me talk about Morning Kick, used by former karate champion Chuck Norris. It's a daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike other green drinks out there, this one tastes similar to strawberry lemonade, and I enjoy it. I know I don't eat as many vegetables as I should, but Morning Kick has helped me make up for that, and I feel great. I have more energy and better digestion. It's an easy part of my morning routine. My wife started taking it as well. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com forward slash Harris for up to 44% off your regular priced order. Plus, every purchase is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, a boost of energy, and just an overall healthier body, then go to roundhouseprovisions.com forward slash Harris today. Hey everyone, welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and we're going to talk about a denomination today, uh, or actually a collection of denominations, but all under the roof of Lutheran. I have not spoken about uh, any Lutheran denominations, and uh, so I think this is a great opportunity for those who are in the audience, who may be Lutheran and listening. I know there's uh, at least a few of you out there to get a better understanding of what's happening uh, in your particular neck of the woods. And so to help me do this, uh, I have asked Pastor David Ramirez from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wisconsin to uh, help navigate this with me. Thank you, Pastor Ramirez, for being willing to do this. Yeah, great to be on. Thanks a lot. And uh, Pastor Ramirez uh, is a Missouri Synod pastor. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes for those uh, if you want to listen to more of Pastor Ramirez after uh, you listen to this particular interview. Uh, you can go to uh, Godestein and find some of his interviews with that particular podcast. So the link will be in the info section. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Lutheran Church, the Missouri Synod, the, the Evangelical Lutherans. I don't even know what varieties are all out there. So maybe you can help us, uh, Pastor Ramirez. What When we're talking about Lutheranism, uh, how many denominations are we talking about here? Um, that's actually a good question, but probably a couple dozen Lutheran bodies are in America, but the ones of most note um, are really three. Um, not to dismiss the others, but there's three main Lutheran denominations in America. Um, the largest on paper um, is the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and then um, just slightly smaller than that is the Missouri Synod, and then um, about a third uh, of uh, or a quarter of the Missouri Synod size is the Wisconsin Synod. So those are the three big bodies uh, in America. So big picture is social justice, critical race theory, neo-Marxism, postmodernism. Have any of these new ideas, really the products of modernity, have they uh, impacted these denominations or is it a few of them? Is it all of them? Yeah, no, um, it, it's, it's really um, a, a big spread. Uh, the, the ELCA, the, it, it, it's kind of funny to uh, think about the evangelical Lutherans being the liberal Lutherans. I know that in the reformed world and uh, the evangelical world, you think evangelical and you think more conservative. In the Lutheran world, the evangelical Lutheran church in America is very, very far left. I would say that they are absolutely taken over and have, uh, I mean, uh, by by what, what you call the neo-Marxism and every type of social justice issue. Um, they've been liberal for a long time. They're a product of several um, mergers of old ethnic synods and other um, uh, regional conferences. And uh, starting, uh, I would say mid-century, um, they jumped on anything that was, that was considered more leftist or liberal. And so uh, when you talk about if they've been affected, they haven't just been affected, they've been taken over by it. So the statements that come out of the ELCA basically are nothing else than the, the most far left democratic uh, party talking points. And that's not an exaggeration, uh, whether it be um, you know, uh, climate change veering on Gaia, uh, Gaia worship 
or whether it's CRT or any any type of leftist uh, or frankly Marxist uh, talking points, they are going to repeat that even in their official uh, statements and resolutions uh, when they when they meet in assembly. Um, all their institutions are woke, uh, definitely. So they're they're totally given over uh, to that. I mean, if if you had to press me. Uh, I would not consider the ELCA even a Christian church body any longer because it's it, that it, they've been so infected that many of their uh, pastors won't even uh, use the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how far they wow. are gone. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Um, I know I had said to you before, but I know the people listening don't know that I visited an, uh, an evangelical Lutheran church thinking that it would be more orthodox recently. Yeah. And uh, the pastor had prayed that national boundaries would be taken away, that all humanity would be one, and that the Lord would protect those living on the coasts from the rising oceans. And I, my, I just thought, wow, this is not what I expected. So that makes sense of what I personally saw. Um, yeah. My mom actually uh, is grew up uh, in the Missouri Synod, uh, and that's the Synod I know you're in. How's the Missouri Synod doing? So um, the Missouri Synod uh, is is a much more conservative church body. We would call it confessional church body, linking our beliefs to the historic confessions of the Lutheran church contained in the book of Concord. Um, you know, things like the small catechism or the Augsburg confession. And so um, we in the Missouri Senate still believe that the Bible is the word of God, the literal word of God. We still believe, um, you know, in creationism. Uh, we don't ordain women. Um, we oppose any type of uh, homosexual behavior, anti-abortion. So uh, the Missouri Synod is very uh, conservative. If you look at it uh, across kind of the landscape in, in American, uh, not just Lutheran, but American churches in general. However, um, uh, something that is very typical of Lutherans, and this is a positive and a negative, is that they're, they're very conservative. And I don't just mean conservative theologically, but they have conservative instincts. Lutherans uh, usually are not quick to the punch uh, on new things, which in fact can be a very good thing. Let's, you know, a, a new idea comes up, a new theory, a new ism, and there is kind of an intrinsic uh, suspicion about it. But also sometimes there can be a complacency about how is this going to infect or harm things. And you, you add that into kind of uh, your typical Lutheran niceness, so to speak. And, and sometimes the reaction to dangers doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, happen right away. So the Missouri Synod, I would say, is it, 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 it has been infected with some wokeness on the edges, um, and especially in some institutions. And I can get more into detail on that after we kind of do the big picture. But at the same time, the Missouri Synod has shown um, a lot of pushback as well. So again, you're not going to see many Lutherans being the first ones to accept or denounce new things like CRT or um, you know the, the latest uh, the, the latest communistic or Marxist uh, uh, thing because we are rather insular to be to be frank. And like I said, that can be uh, very positive. But also, that means the reaction is going to take a little bit longer, too. Uh, the third uh, body of Lutherans that, that is really worthy of note is the Wisconsin uh, uh, Synod, um, uh, or the Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. And they used to be in fellowship with, uh, with us, with the Missouri Synod. Um, and I, I would say that, that the Wells, or the Wisconsin Synod, they, they have not had the same level of infection, uh, even as the Missouri Synod, and that's really because their institutions are still more highly uh, uh, populated by their own people. And that, that's a thing that I, I think that's really important about how does this, uh, how do these ideologies or isms get into Christian churches, whether it be Lutheran or others, many times it is not first and foremost, leaders from within the denomination, but many times you have institutions like uh, higher ed institutions, for example, um, where you have uh, quote unquote outsiders who are allowed to come in and then they 
are the ones that wind up driving this conversation, wanting to bring in things from the world. And because the Wisconsin Synod's institutions are, uh, they have a much higher percentage of Lutherans uh, than, than the Missouri Synod at their institutions. That means the, the effects of wokeism or, or you know, uh, you, you use the term neo-Marxism, uh, a lot of those issues uh, haven't hit them as hard yet, but it is hitting them. Um, I mean, they've been infected with some multiculturalism uh, and, and some, some challenges to traditional uh, Christian doctrines, but it hasn't affected them quite as much because they, they tend to be even more insular than, than the Missouri Synod. And, and, and I think that that's kept them from some of the strongest waves hitting them, but it's coming as you know, and you know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts. I mean, this is affecting all of American Christianity across the board. So uh, I hope they get on their horses and start riding out to meet this stuff. In the Missouri Synod, we actually have had people uh, very vocal um, speaking out against this. I have not seen that from the Wisconsin Synod uh, yet, but that's kind of the lay of the land. You've got the ELCA, which is hard left. Like I said, uh, while I would, I would definitely say there are still Christians within that church body, I don't think the church body as a whole can be considered Christian anymore. Um, and then you have the Missouri Synod and the Wisconsin Synod that are very, very close. And that'd be a whole episode of in-house Lutheran stuff to talk about the differences. And you probably don't want to do that. Um, well, you know, I, I watched some of your uh, presentations. At, I, I'm assuming these were per perhaps Missouri Synod sponsored conferences. Is that correct? Where you, so you yeah. probably did. Do you see the Great Awakening presentation? Is that the, the uh, that was well, that one was, I think, on that Godestine podcast, right? Yes. Uh, so I did. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, though, more that like you were in a forum setting and there's people listening and you're, you're, you're presenting on like things like Romans 13 and how it's historically. Oh, been. certainly. Yeah. Um, so. So. Because uh, oh, well, what you said was not would not be acceptable in a lot of denominations is, is all I was going to say. And if that's something that's oh, sure. acceptable in the Missouri Synod, then that's kind of a, a ray of hope in my mind. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of talking about government overreach, um, I've spoken at you know, official Missouri Synod um, gatherings uh, for that. I mean, not that the denomination has endorsed my particular uh, statements or anything. I don't want to go too far and say that. That's not accurate. But at, uh, but, um, uh, and uh, so you listen to the Great Awakening. I also gave that presentation at two gatherings of Missouri Synod Lutherans. One, one uh, recorded it and put it up already. And so, um, the, both audiences uh, on the on the on the Great Awakening or the wokeism stuff, ninety five to ninety nine percent of the people in there agreed with everything I said. So yeah, the Missouri Synod definitely does not just have complacent people who are accepting this, but they're ready to push back. Um, yeah, which is you, a ray of hope. You had taken, if if I'm remembering correctly, in that particular uh, talk, you had taken to task this idea that race is just a social construct, and you, and you kind of rip CRT a new one. Uh, yeah. And and that would have not that that could not fly. I'm just saying in the Southern Baptist Convention, almost you could not have delivered that presentation. I just don't think I, I don't know of anyone who would be able to successfully pull that off without having major blowback and people perhaps even in the room, you know, trying to clamor for the microphone to denounce the racism. They just that, that's how they'd yeah. interpret it, which it would be totally off. But uh, I, I found that encouraging that you, you're able to have this without an uh, it wasn't emotionally detached but it was a reasonable discussion sure. where emotions weren't leading the way and and the, the current moment and the media narrative weren't leading the way uh that's just a rare thing and so i just want to i'll try to put those links in the info section for people if they want to go listen to those uh talks sure. you gave um that that that's a ray of hope in my mind now you are like i said though uh, like you said in the wisconsin synod uh what or the Missouri Synod, rather. Um, what specific things do you see, if uh, you're prepared to get a little more specific on this, that sure. could be potential threats in the future? So um, uh, I, I think that there is specific threats to the Missouri Synod, and I think all of this would apply to the wells. Like I said, the ELCA is gone. It's just gone. Um, but I think there's specific threats, but also there's a more general threat and the more general threat is, is that um, not just Lutherans, but American Christians in general have confused the idea of being kind and loving and having a spirit of gentleness with 
kind of uh, uh, detached from the word niceness. And they think that that's a Christian duty as if uh, David was almost wrong for going out and chopping Goliath's head off. I mean, he's defending his family. Uh, he's not supposed to be nice to Goliath. He's got, uh, he's got duties um, to his people. And so it's right for him to mock um, an enemy of the Lord and to kill him for the sake of his people. And I, and, and I do think that in American Christianity, even Lutheranism as well, there is this confusion with how do you be a good Christian with you got to be nice, you got to be accepting, you got to be non-judgmental. And that's the bigger attitude. Tightly connected with that is also the, the attitude problem of most American Christians, if I can say that. I know it's true for Lutherans, but I think I can see it across the board, is that um, as conservative Christians, very broadly speaking, um, that want to stand on the Bible, um, we have this conservative attitude um, where we're reactive. I mean, to conserve presupposes that you are maintaining and trying to keep something that which is already established safe and good. Whereas we also need to understand that the culture uh, as a whole, um, even many of the institutions of our different denominations have really gone over and we have to stop just thinking as conservatives. I don't wanna give up that, that attitude of, of cautiousness and uh, trying to conserve what we have because we have been given much and much of it still stands. But we also need an attitude that's aggressive, that's pushing back. You see the early Christians, um, you know, in the first couple of centuries, they don't just conserve what they have, but they're on the offense against the unbelieving Jews and also the pagans. I mean, uh, you, you see the, the apologists like Justin Martyr and other people, they're writing letters to these philosophers. They're challenging them. Paul goes into Athens and he debates with the philosophers. He goes into the synagogues, which of course that's, that's a little bit more complicated because the church was built on the, uh, on the foundation of, of the Old Testament church. But my point is, is that we shouldn't just be reactive against neo-Marxism or SJW stuff or wokeism, but we need to be aggressive because we should see in it that this is our old enemy of humanism. Uh, the, ele the elevation of, uh, you know, that the human spirit just needs to be unleashed so it can be self-realized, which is really the devil's lies. And we have to be aggressive against that. So um, that's the good big good attitude shift. I I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I just said good word. I was saying preach it. Oh, you know. sure. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you don't hear that in the Lutheran church much, do you? Preach it. You know, they don't. No, no, the, not yeah, usually. I don't think so. <laughs> um, You'll hear an amen once in a while, <laughs> but um, but uh, but but more specifically, where uh, where in the Missouri Synod do we see this infection? Well, we see it. Uh, I would say in two places. Uh, uh, well, three places, I guess. First of all, we see it in our higher ed institutions. Uh, in the Missouri Synod, we have what's called the Concordia University Synod. Concordia University uh, system, and it's a system of colleges all around the nation. Um, they originally were designed to train church workers, pastors, teachers, um, and uh, uh, other church workers. Um, many decades ago, and it's a long story that we don't need to get into, they shifted their focus to being more traditional four-year colleges. Uh, for a long time, they were primarily populated by Missouri Synod Lutherans or other Lutherans. But especially in the last couple of decades, uh, it is, it's totally flipped. Now it's almost all non-Lutheran students. And of course, with that, um, while you, you might make the case that this is an opportunity for evangelism and teaching people about the faith, it also brings in uh, a lot of folks who have concerns that are not the concerns of the church. And so we, we see in the Missouri Synod a lot of woke stuff all through our Concordia system. And it's not that our that our Concordias and that our colleges are just a little bit infected, but to get uh, down to brass tacks, you, you see uh, departments um, uh, and professors promoting uh, CRT, bashing Western Civ. You've got diversity officers on almost all of the campuses now, uh, incident bias reporting. I mean, this is really bad stuff. All the worst of the, the woke stuff that's only come out in the last 10 years is, has heavily influenced a lot of these schools. And uh, if we don't deal with that, we're gonna lose our colleges. 
and and that's going to be really horrible. Another front is um, the, the the younger generations have been uh, so again the Missouri Synod used to uh, have a very high percentage of its people going to Missouri Synod Lutheran schools. We've got the biggest school system after the Roman Catholics in America. Wow. So, oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. So we, we've, we've got all these day schools and it used to be that, um, that almost all Missouri Synod churches would, would plant a church, but a school right next to it. And so the school and the church worked hand in hand uh, for the indoctrination in a, in, a, in a good sense of the faithful to teach them you know, the word of God and um, not go to government schools. But now that has really shifted. And um, as uh, generations have become uh, a lot more uh, enmeshed in, in the government schools, which not every government school or teacher is horrible. I, I don't wanna say that, but I mean, the government schools in America are just overrun with this stuff as, as I know you well, very, you know very well. And so you have a situation where our younger generations like the millennials and the Zoomers have really been infected uh, with this stuff. And I don't think that, that we, have, we have counteracted that as well as we should, especially when you compound that with our colleges starting to drift um, as well. The third place I would say is that where, that where wokeism is, is infecting the Missouri Synod is in the, the, among some of the younger pastors, um, you do have kind of a return to an openness to communistic, socialistic thought. And the Missouri Synod went through a really hard period during the 60s and 70s. Um, we actually had a split um, and it wasn't a huge split or splinter off but we almost went the way of a lot of other church bodies um, uh, during the fundamentalist controversy at the turn of the century. Uh, like Gresham Machem and the Presbyterians, um, they, they lost. I mean, that's why the PCA exists, or the right. OPC, uh, because the PCUSA went, went bonkers. Um, uh, actually, the SBC, um, in their conservative uh, takeover of the, or retakeover of the domination, I believe in the 80s, yeah, was that in the resurgence? 80s? Yep. Yeah, the re yeah, that was modeled after the Missouri Synod conservative retakeover, actually. Um, and so, uh, I mean, you can read SBC people talking about how the Missouri Synod winning back its seminary for orthodoxy really inspired them because that was the first time in American Lutheran history that a denomination that was veering to the left actually course corrected. Unfortunately, we do still have some old libs, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, in the Synod that, that pushed the radical stuff from the 60s. But unfortunately, um, there, there are some younger uh, people, not just, uh, not just uh, the kids, but some younger pastors who, who are into this woke stuff. And it really is bad. There's a group in the Missouri Synod. It's just run by a couple people. I don't think that there's many people who actually are involved in it but it's called Lutherans for Racial Justice. And they have all the woke talking points. They try to baptize woke ideology or woke theology um, in Christian terms and explain it, you know, how these things can be understood biblically. But it, it, it is, it, it, it's, it's woke theology with just a little icing of Lutheranism on top of it. So, so those would be the three places where woke stuff is, is coming into the Missouri Synod specifically. Uh, regarding the, the, it wasn't seminaries, I guess, colleges with seminaries attached, the Concordia system. Yeah, those are colleges that are not okay. directly attached to seminaries. Um, uh, okay. we, we only have two seminaries. We have um, a seminary in St. Louis and a seminary in Fort Wayne. Um, I do believe that, that the seminary in St. Louis does have, uh, that's where most of the guys who are influenced by woke stuff are coming from. Okay. And I don't know all the details of who is promoting that there. Um, however, I, I view a, a very good sign at the St. Louis Seminary. Uh, they, they have a new president who has spoken very firmly about Lutheran identity and our Lutheran heritage. So I hope that Concordia Seminary St. Louis will get better. So the, the, the problem at the seminary level is, is nothing compared to at the college level. And I do have hopes that things will go better at St. Louis. 
Well, there, we had talked briefly before about uh, an individual at one of the colleges, then Professor Schultz, who there's a situation right now. We don't have to get into all the details of it, but uh, I sensed in him some courage that he wants to fight what's actually happening yeah. at the college. Uh, do, do you is that see for me, that was when I when I heard an interview with him and I how much courage he had and directness he had. Is that something that's rare in, in Missouri Senate or are most pastors a little more? I don't know if you have a sense of comparison here, but say compared to Southern Baptists or, or just a generic evangelical, you know, are Lutherans a little more direct, a little more willing to fight, you think, on this stuff if they know it's in front of them? I'd say yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, I do think uh, the Reformed churches or the Reformed tradition, whatever you want to call it, which would include in our, from our point of view, it would include Baptists. Um, uh, well, thank you. you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if that's a compliment, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that, that, that's, I mean, I, I don't know what, what you guys, I mean, there's this Reformed continuum in our minds from Calvinists uh, and Anglicans and Methodists and, um, you know, all the different types of Reformed, uh, all the way to, you know, Baptists and, 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 and folks who are part of uh, the, you know, the, the free church movements and, and things like that. So, I mean, is that fair? Do you guys consider yourselves all part of the Reformed tradition? Well, I, I mean, right now I go to a more of a non-denominational Bible church, but yeah, I mean, we okay. would, uh, we would have a Baptist theology and I did go to a Baptist school and was a member okay. of the SBC and, and the church I was at would have considered itself reformed. I think okay. more in the young restless reform vein, which, uh, has its, it's certainly its weaknesses, but I think, uh, yeah, if you, I mean, if you look at Southern Baptist history originally, like they were, everyone yeah. was reformed. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, going back even before the Southern Baptist to just, you know, sure. the general baptist they, they were reformed people but um right yeah it's, it's a weird confusing like side show at this point with the people who are more arminian calling themselves the traditionalists which they're really not so it, it just yeah right it, it makes it so confusing but uh yeah no we, we would consider that there there's a few people that try to trace back to anabaptist but it's like there, there really isn't a connection there so okay well yeah. i would say that the the so you asked in comparison to Baptist preachers, I, I, I would say yes and no. I mean, Baptists in my experience, uh, especially Southern Baptists, but also more liberal Baptists, um, they, they seem to be, um, again, quicker to the draw. Um, Lutherans do tend to sit back and wait before reacting. Um, so in terms of Lutherans being brave, uh, I think that's the way you, you, you phrased it or being willing to speak out. I think that compared to Baptists, they're not going to do it right away. They're going to want to wait and watch and look. But then once they get going, it's like a freight train. Like, you know, once, once they've, once the die's been cast, uh, well, I mean, like Martin Luther, here I stand. Yeah, I was say no other. Very German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the Missouri Synod is incredibly German still. I mean, obviously, we don't speak German anymore, um, uh, but in terms of just attitudes, it is. It's it's very. Uh, I would say old world. Uh, um, obviously, we're we're Americans now, but but there is that kind of old world um, understanding of you need to speak in your sphere, and you're not just going to mouth off uh, until you try to go through the right process. But if it doesn't work, I mean, that's Luther, right? He tries to go through the Catholic hierarchy, right. the Roman Catholic hierarchy. He tries to warn the Pope. He naively thinks the Pope's going to listen to him. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, when, when, when he's, uh, when he realizes if he's going to do the right thing, he has to do it against the hierarchy, then he does it. And I think that while definitely American Lutherans have very, uh, you, know, you know, we've got American traits and tendencies, just like all the rest of you. Um, there, there is that that more old world, uh, uh, I would say, uh, German mindset of let's try to work through the process, let's do it orderly. But if it doesn't, then right. then all bets are off. Let's do it. So I, I would say, um, yeah, there, Lutherans are not as quick to the draw as uh, Baptists or the Reformed in general, frankly. Um, but once they start moving. Uh, it, 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 people will be very, very brave. And, and you mentioned uh, Professor Schultz. And again, without getting into all of the details, which um, many of the details aren't even known uh, or in public. Um, however, uh, 
the, the, the basic issue there is, is that Concordia University, Wisconsin, which is only, you know, about 40 minutes from me, uh, that's the Concordia in our backyard. Uh, everyone in my congregation, not everyone, but many people have very tight connections. I mean, we, we view it as our local Lutheran college. Um, there's been problems with wokeism there for years. And I'm glad that uh, someone, someone with a lot more status and standing, so to speak, is speaking out. Um, many of us pastors in the parish have been talking about woke ideology and theology and uh, stuff for years. But having a professor from inside being willing to take a stand on this and, and, and draw attention to it really is, uh, I think you, you, you said it well, it's very brave. And I really do hope that this moves uh, the Lutherans in the Missouri Synod to deal with it. I mean, what would be ideal would be that the, that the denom denominational leadership uh, looks into this, investigates it, and, and does a top to bottom uh, you know, kind of review of what's going on, not just there, but in other Concordias. And I know that they have, I want to be fair. I don't want to trash our leaders uh, because they, uh, well, I think perhaps they could have been quicker to the punch and they could have done more sooner. Uh, I know they're concerned about this and they want to do good things. And that's why you need, just like on a football team, you need different players to do different roles. Uh, you need guys like Schultz who are going to go out and be the blocker you know, and, and, and plow the way so that, uh, you know, the running back or whoever can come, come in and, and actually get the ball across, uh, across the line. Right. So, so question for you then, and that is encouraging to hear, uh, with the colleges specifically, I, they're not training the pastors, but what, what would be the threat then? I mean, it, are they, if they're kind of contained, uh, but the, the, it sounds like they're not so, so Lutheran, so the, so the children, I, I would guess, that grow up and want to go to college, that's where they're going to go, and they're going to come back, bring these ideas. Is that the, well, the main threat, then, to the church? Um, so, they're, so they are training the pastors in the sense that, okay. um, a, a, I mean, the seminaries train the pastors, but every college has a pre-seminary training program. Okay. And the colleges are training a big chunk of our Lutheran day school teachers. We've got this day school system. And so the, the teachers do not go on to seminary. They go to these colleges and not all of them do, but many of them do. Um, I mean, it, I think that, oh, go yeah. ahead. Is it, is it heavily funded to these colleges by the, this churches in particular, or is, are they financially independent? Well, so that, that's another uh, issue uh, because, you know, he who pays the piper, you know, calls the tune <laughs> and, uh, in past years, the Synod funded uh, almost all, uh, and then later a big, huge chunk. And now the Synod does not fund much of the college, uh, uh, much of what the college does, even though the Synod does loan a lot of money to the colleges. And so um, as the colleges have gotten funds and funding from outside sources or purely, not purely, but more percentage-wise from the alumni or tuition, especially tuition of kids that aren't Lutheran, of course, their concerns are going to be wrapped up in that, and they're going to want to need to look good to the world. And, uh, and that, again, is, is a big issue. Um, in terms of who has authority over them, all the Concordias are, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, the governance structure is that their board of regents have to report to the Synod. So the synod controls those colleges, but there is a movement afoot um, that that some colleges, uh, Concordia, Texas, just a couple of weeks ago announced that they wanted to become independent and spin oh. off. So we could lose all of our colleges. To go back to the ELCA just briefly, um, they used to have a whole system of colleges and they're all gone. They're all gone because they let them either go independent or they let them go totally uh, lefty liberal, and then uh, they they just they they splintered off. They they allowed themselves to lose a great part of their heritage. The Missouri Synod, uh, for generations, we've called the Concordia system, you know, kind of the uh, you know our, some of our crown jewels, and we're going to lose that heritage if we don't if we don't uh, be real careful. I personally, I wouldn't like to see any Concordia. Uh, be lost. If all of them could be saved, that'd be wonderful. But I think the reality is, is that we probably will lose some. Two have closed, or actually three have closed over the last five years. We used to have one in Selma. We used to have one in uh, Bronxville in New York. And we used to have one in Portland. They, they were all closed. Some of that had to do with um, 
you know, financial challenges, and some of them had to do with uh, uh, some of it had to do with uh, you know being infected by uh, leftism, and and you know we don't have to get right. into details, but I mean this is a real this is a real danger that we lose them all. I mean I think that we will lose more. That grieves me, but I just hope we can save a couple. What can people in the pews do about this? Well, I think that if they want, uh, I mean, we, we really are, interestingly enough, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but in the Missouri Synod, because of what Professor Schultz has, has written publicly, um, uh, without getting into all those details, the eye of the Synod um, is on the Concordias right now. And they realize that, that if we don't do something, it's, we're going to lose what we've got. And um, if people want to know what's going on, they, sh they should probably read a, a website called uh, Brothers of John the Steadfast or Steadfast Lutherans. Um, and they have a series of articles on that situation. They've been reporting on, on what's been going on in the Concordias for over 10 years. But right now is very interesting that it's not just a couple people talking about this. Uh, Steadfast Lutherans has been talking about it for a long time, but now Godestine's that podcast that you mentioned, they also have a blog um, and a magazine. They, they're, they're talking about this. Uh, people are uh, petitioning for uh, Professor Schultz to be reinstated, and that's generated a huge amount of buzz uh, on, on kind of the Lutheran internet world. And so if people want to want to do something, I would say, number one, they should read up on what's going on at the Concordias and Brothers of John the Steadfast site. It, you don't have to go very far to find all those articles. The other thing is, is that they should ask their pastors. Um, what they know about it. And if the pastors uh, don't know something about it, ask them to figure it out and ask them to, to educate themselves. Because back in the 60s, I said the Missouri Synod had this uh, they were veering left, and uh, the, we almost uh, we almost became a liberal Protestant denomination. Why that got stopped was not just the leadership. We had good leaders who did do good things, uh, but we also had a huge amount of laity rise up and say, "We do not want our church um, to be lost. We do right. not want." Uh, to, to let it go. We want to be faithful to God's word. We want to be faithful to our Lutheran confessions. And, and they kept up pressure. So, and, and it's always got to be a team effort. I mean, the lay people can't do it on their own and the denominational leadership can't do it on their own. Uh, you know, pastors and people have to be walking together to, to face the challenges of the day. And that's what they need to do. They need to talk to their pastor. They need to ask him to inform them if, if he knows something about what's going on, uh, you, you know, so that we, because again, Professor Schultz uh, and his writing publicly about this has really brought the attention of the Senate and we need action on it. We need something to be done. So this beachhead of wokeism can be confronted because if you don't stop it, it's just like an infection. It's going to go through the whole body and your church is going to change. I mean, and, and you've said that the Southern Baptists have really been infected. I've only been watching this as an outsider, but they seem like really far down the road on, on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it's a big denomination, so it depends where you're looking. But the schools definitely, uh, especially really? the okay. bigger ones, are, are, are very compromised. And the, the deceiving thing about the Southern Baptists, and I don't know if this is true in the Lutheran denominations, but... Uh, they tend to, uh, I don't know if it's, it's the Southern hospitality thing or what, but there's, there's kind of this code of ethics that, you know, you mentioned niceness, but I, that may be even ramped up more in the Southern Baptists where uh, there have to be a million qualifications and, uh, you know, calling people brothers and treating them as Christians, even when they're blatant false teachers. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it, it's confusing because, everyone wants to be in this cushy, moderate, mineral, reasonable We The church transcends the political distinctions. We we're, we're uh, part of this kingdom of God. And, and um, you, you'll hear a lot of talk about making these heavenly realities uh, present here on earth. So that one kingdom, I, I don't know, you know how really to describe it, but 
that that's usually how the racial reconciliation and the CRT stuff, which is usually fused is couched. That's what we're doing. We're just making it like every tribe, tongue and nation in heaven. And so there, there's these talking points that go out that sound super spiritual. And a lot of the folks, even in the seminaries who are teaching will adopt these talking points. To what extent is it believed? To what extent is it a party line? To what extent is it just this fake unity that they all have? It's, it's a little hard to determine. So, uh, so, so I would say that at the very least, what's happened is that those who are false teachers, legitimately so, they have full access to teach, to survive, to flourish in the Southern Baptist Convention without opposition. And that, that would be the concerning thing I'd have for other denominations, including the Lutherans, is that, you know, that, that's, that kind of culture doesn't emerge there, where in the name of being nice and tolerant and uh, having a fake unity, the, yeah. you, you don't allow these false teachings to just have their way. Um, well, we're definitely infected. I mean, right. I, 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 from my outsider perspective, watching the SBC, I don't think we're as far down the road. Um, but you're absolutely right. Well said that, um, that if, if you just play nice, you're going to lose. And um, I, I was down in the South for four years, and I, I used to hear people say, uh, you know, the 11th commandment in the South is thou shalt not be ugly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> And that's not, I mean, whether it's thou shall not be ugly in the South or if it's uh, Midwestern niceness, which really, I mean, Lutherans are very Midwestern in terms of percentage and everything. Um, that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. And, and that's why, uh, you know, before uh, I, I think I used the word humanism. I mean, that really is what we're facing across denominational lines is this humanistic ideal uh, that 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 we really should understand is, is is nothing other than the devil, because the devil lies and he tells us, you know, whatever thou wantest, right? You know, whatever thou wilt <laughs> um, is is good. Be your own god. And the devil trying to you know puff us up on our own pride has resulted in every type of utopianism, every way of. I mean, you were talking about making heaven on earth. Um, yeah. Yes, of course, we should strive for making the world as good of a place as possible. But if we actually believe the lies uh, of the devil in terms of creating a heaven on earth, I mean, that's every bad humanistic movement that's ever been around. I mean, that is what is so uh, dangerous. And of course, we as Americans are very susceptible to this because we always talk about equality, frankly. I mean, obviously equality has a place when speaking theologically. Uh, God has uh, God ha has redeemed us equally, right? I mean, that's Romans, I'm not Romans, Galatians 3.28, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free. That's true in terms of justification, but that doesn't erase all the distinctions between people. And I mean, right. I mean, a partial lie, that that's dangerous. Uh, I mean, the devil wants us to just self-realize and we need to understand, no, um, we're not trying to make a heaven on earth. Right. Yeah. Excellent. That's very well stated and uh, couldn't agree more. And, and I would just add to one thing, if, if Lutherans are listening, because there may be a few of you who you've never heard this podcast, but something came across your newsfeed or your YouTube uh, suggested videos where you saw, hey, there's Lutherans talking about wokeism. I haven't seen that before. Uh, you, one thing I would caution Lutherans uh, is, is because this is where I saw it in the SBC, this, um, and it can be vague, it can be, it can sound good, but this idea that doing the work of the gospel somehow entails eliminating disparities, and there's a connection between these two things. So going out and being a gospel people, gospel-centered, gospel above all, uh, you know, exercising the gospel in society somehow means that injustices must be rolled back and disparities must be eliminated and people must be equal. That seems to be where it starts. And it's so subtle yeah. and it sounds so good. So except it goes against what we would call as Lutherans, the ninth and 10th commandments, thou shalt not covet. I mean, I mean, you know, sure. I, I wish that I was uh, taller or stronger or richer, you know, or, or, I mean, we could wish a lot of things, 
but that that that's the antidote to wokeism to actually trust your heavenly father and be content with what he has given you that's right you know i mean injustice is wrong but just because god gives different gifts and makes people different ways and gives them different resources or riches by definition god in creation creates distinctions and disparities that's built into creation he separates the light and the dark he he, he moves the land and the sea you know i mean it's god's all about distinctions god's all about this multitudinous diverse creation that's built on differences and if right. we want to just destroy differences that's just going to be the monotony of hell i mean that, right. that you know that's like c.s lewis you know his uh screw tape letters i assume yeah i've read yeah yeah i mean that he talks about that there um but yeah i mean fundamentally um i i i think that you're right it sounds so appealing and yet we should see the the iron fist under the velvet glove right um do, do you know i i'm a big fan of c.s lewis um he's got a few issues from a lutheran perspective but have you read his space trilogy at all? I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't read oh, it. Oh, uh, I would really encourage you. That Hideous Strength is the third book. And he literally uh, talks about how, you, you know, this this organization, the NICE, N-I-C-E, um, you know, they're very uh, seemingly polite, wonderful people, but they want to they want to take over. And underneath the, you know, the velvet glove is an iron fist. Mm. And that's what we as Christians, whether we be Lutherans or Baptist or non-denom or whatever need to realize that wokeism is not just an ism it's a it's a religion and it's and and because it is telling devilish lies there's demonic power behind it you know it Amen. is evil it is teaching us not to trust in our heavenly father but to try and create heaven on earth um i don't know if you guys follow electionary but in the lutheran church it's we just had the first sunday of lent and the reading was Matthew 4, when Jesus is tempted by the devil. And the last temptation is the temptation to forego the cross. And it is, here, you bow down before me, you can have all the nations of the world, you know? And that's what Jesus wants, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. The devil wants him to bow down to him instead of trust his heavenly father, walk the road of the cross. Instead of that, the devil says, you can have that, but you don't have to have the wrath of God poured out on you. You don't have to walk the road of suffering. You don't have to bleed. You don't have to die. You don't have to be in the garden. You know, you can have, you can be the Lord of the nations as long as you just do what I say, as long as you obey me. And, and that's the power behind woke theology. It's not just an ideology. It's, it's devilish. So yeah, I'm glad Amen. you're bringing. Excellent. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're, 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 you're wanting this conversation to go on because American Christianity has fallen like dominoes on this. Well, I've lost friends to it. And uh, I think that makes it more personal. I've seen people uh, ripped up to shreds. It's, it's the off ramp from Christianity. Honestly, people start to realize, Hey, wait a minute, that church that I believed it, you know, was so pure and good for the last you know, couple of centuries, or sometimes they'll say, you know, even 2000 years, it's, it's been wrong. It's been unjust. It's, contributed to you know burning witches and the crusades and <laughs> slavery and all the rest right and so it, you know you, you mean to tell me that up until two seconds ago it, it, now it's it's suddenly pure i mean no one would join the ku klux klan because they said hey we're not racist anymore come and join us we reformed right and so when when yeah. the church paints this picture of where, where this horrible institution up until two seconds ago when people started realizing social justice is right it just causes young people who have half a brain to leave and uh, you know, they yep. can get more activism in the Democrat party or any of these, you know, NGOs or uh, civic yeah. organizations. So they, they don't have to be part of a church to exercise that new religion. Uh, and that's um, that, that's, that's one of the things, you know, when you, when you start to see, as I, I warned before for Lutherans listening, this it's gospel work to promote equality or something like that. You'll often see a, uh, a, a complementing of organizations that are supposedly doing gospel work and yet there's no gospel you know it's the these yeah. leftist community organizations they're doing really good work for the gospel you'll, you'll hear a little I, I have a number of clips that i've saved of, of pastors complimenting uh, organizations that aren't christian saying they're doing good ministry or something and it's like you know that's <laughs> there's no gospel yeah. there though so it's uh i think you're what you said is spot on it's demonic um 
final uh, just thoughts, uh, w- if you have any, and then if you could just um, remind people, I know you said Steadfast Lutherans, uh, Godestine, and then if you want to plug anything else, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that Steadfast Lutherans is the one-stop shop for news on the Concordias. Um, I think Godestine uh, has provided a lot of good uh, commentary. Um, their podcast is, is just really uh, wonderful. It's not just focused on, on woke stuff. I mean, it's, it's more focused on uh, Lutheran liturgical stuff and, and theology in general. But they have had some excellent programs uh, recently about this woke threat. Um, but, the, but the most important thing I would say to, to any, uh, not just Lutheran layman, but anybody who's, who's listening to your program uh, is that read the scriptures, mm. um, talk to your pastor. The devil wants you not just away from the word of God, but away from the word of God in community with other people. Um, in a real congregation, at a real church service, at a real, um, uh, you know, Bible study. I mean, that's why I think we should see the assault on the churches, not to get into a whole nother topic, but an assault on the, I mean, all of the, all of the mandates from the government, I'm not going to try and judge people's hearts about all the mandates that came down during the coronavirus stuff. But I mean, that was also a demonic assault on the church to drive us away from hearing the word of God. And so, um, you know, the woke stuff is dangerous and people need to, they need to read the scriptures. They need to be at their church. They need to be talking to their pastor because the devil is like a lion prowling around and lions go after the weak, the ones that are stragglers, the ones that aren't running with the pack. And that's what our enemy fears. He fears us listening to the word of God and he fears us creating those brotherhoods uh, you know, where the word of God is strong and therefore we can stand firm. So yeah, people in their own denominations, uh, especially Lutherans listen, listening should go to these places and learn, but more importantly, read the word of God, stick together and be in community with one another. Around Amen. The well, thank you, pastor, uh, David Ramirez. Some of those links will be in the info section for people. If you want to check out more from pastor Ramirez, uh, as always, uh, when, when I have a guest, I just want to say thank you for taking from your busy schedule. I mean, you're a pastor. You have, I'm sure, tons of things to do, and you, and you sacrificed your time to inform people who, who aren't even in your congregation. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. God bless. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.